Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. Uh, my name is Glenn, and this is episode number 46, and it's part two of our series that we're doing called Lies We Believe About God. And the title of this episode is The Bible is the Word of God, Lie Number Two. Lie Number Two The Bible is the Word of God. So it's Father's Day. And uh, I am recording this episode. I've recorded it a couple times um, already this week, and it just didn't really... It's like a lot of interruptions and a lot of weird things going on around me. A cat threw up at one point in one episode. Uh, Jordan was screaming upstairs one morning, and just a whole lot of things. So uh, right now, it's Father's Day. Uh, Dana and Jordan have gone to Starbucks to get me a venti iced double shot, which I'm super excited about. In the meantime, I have um, a cup of ice water next to me in my brand new best dad ever mug. And the A in dad is a Yankee logo, which is amazing. So anyway, uh, it's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, It's been a good day here. I started off this morning with some cereal on the couch with Jordan while we watched Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Always a win right there. Uh, then we went for a little walk, and we played outside. She got a new baseball the other day, and we were throwing it to each other in the yard, and uh, that was cool. Then we played in her water table, did some major splashing, got very wet, and uh, it's been a it's been a good day. So super exciting stuff. And uh, usually I would do like some intro material right now. Well, that was kind of an introduction, but sometimes I will do some other things, talk about Patreon, talk about other things going on. But I'm not gonna do that. This is an important episode. And uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, We're talking about the Bible, obviously. And the lie, I say, is that the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, This episode and the the thinking that has gone into this, the stuff I've been thinking, processing, learning, praying through, living through, has really challenged and stretched me. And so I hope it does for you as well. Uh, one One of Christianity's favorite uh, passages in the Bible is 2 Timothy 3, uh, verses 16 through 17. And this is where Paul declares that, uh, quote, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, growing up, I was told that this verse meant that the Bible is the literal word of God. And since the Bible is the Word of God, that means that it is without error, without mistake, it is 100% literal, right? Like every word, every sentence, every punctuation mark, it is 100% the Word of God. Um, It's God's love letter. It's God's uh, instruction manual for how we are to live a good life and uh, essentially make it to heaven when we die. All we have to do is believe its primary message, right? That Jesus died to save us from our sins and we will end up in heaven when we die. Now, if you think that's an exaggeration, or maybe you say that's an unfair synopsis, um, I don't think it is. Back in high school, I was thinking about this this past week, back in high school, there was this song by a, kind of was a fairly fairly, uh, popular Christian band called Burlap to Cashmere. And the song was called uh, B-I-B-L-E, which was uh, an acronym standing for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. So the idea was that the Bible is this instruction manual, this, this roadmap directly from the hand or mouth of God 
to help us live a good life right here on earth so that when we leave earth to go somewhere else, either we, when we die or when Jesus comes back and, quote, raptures his people away, we'll end up going to the, the better of the two final destinations, uh, heaven instead of hell or the lake of fire. So, so anyways, so that verse from 2 Timothy is, is very often used to kind of bolster this kind of thinking. The kind of thinking which says that Genesis through Revelation are the very words of God. It's all scripture. It's all breathed by God. It's all 100% useful to teach, rebuke, correct, and train. Now, I used to think that way. And some of my evangelical friends from my evangelical tribe growing up, uh, when I said used to think that way, probably just fell on the floor. But I used to think that way. And I used to think that thinking that way caused me to have this very like high view of scripture and this very high view of God. Like thinking of the Bible that way and declaring it to be the word of God that is God breathed and inspired and infallible and inerrant and perfect in every way. I used to think that that kind of thinking reflected my great respect and my deep admiration for such a holy and amazing book. And if I'm being honest, I even felt like that respect and that admiration like gave me some points in God's book. Like that's what he expected of me. And so somehow he was happier with me than he was with other people who couldn't bring themselves to believe every word of it with such immovable and deep faith such as mine. Like it made me better than them, essentially. But I, I've recently been rethinking some things. And I've recently been reading some other books. And I've recently been uh, kind of challenging myself to look at the Bible a little bit differently. And I've come to think that such an understanding of that verse from Paul in 2 Timothy and such an understanding of the Bible has actually caused me to have a fairly low view of God and a fairly low view of the scriptures. Because I'm not sure that's what Paul's words in 2 Timothy mean. And I'm really not sure that's the best way to use the Bible or think about the Bible. And there's a couple of reasons as to why I've come to think this way. Uh, the first thing, number one, the first thing to consider is that when Paul wrote those words to 2 Timothy, and some people say, some scholars say it was Paul, some say it wasn't Paul. We'll just say for the sake of this episode that it was Paul. So when Paul wrote those words to Timothy, all scriptures God breathed, Paul was referring to the scriptures as he knew them to be, Right? All scripture, Paul said, is God-breathed. And so that begs the question, well, what was scripture to Paul? Right? Like, what scriptures did he have available to him? Well, certainly he wasn't talking about the letter that he was writing to Timothy, right? Like, I think it's silly to say that Paul's letters to Timothy, or really any of Paul's letters for that matter, would have been included in Paul's term, all scripture, because... I'm not sure Paul would have had the audacity to believe or think or even have had the foresight to see that his very personal letters that he was writing to Timothy or the churches in Galatia, Philippi, Corinth, Rome, etc. would end up in our Bible some 2,000 years later lumped under the umbrella of all Scripture. Or what about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Well, I don't really think they're included in Paul's term all Scripture either. Uh, now, before you pick up stones and throw them at me, think about this. Because truth be told, the Gospels weren't in circulation yet because they weren't even written at the time that Paul wrote the words 
uh, in 2 Timothy. The earliest of the four Gospels, scholars say, was Mark's Gospel, which was written in about 70 AD. And, and Paul's letters were written roughly 5 to 20 years earlier, between the years 50 and 65. And so when Paul referred to all Scripture being God-breathed, Paul wasn't referring to his letters to Timothy and the various other churches, those letters which, mind you, make up over half of the New Testament. He wasn't referring to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, much less the book of Revelation. In short, Paul wasn't referring to your Bible or my Bible. Instead, he was referring to his scriptures, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and a good portion of the prophets. All scripture for Paul was not the same as all scripture for you and for me. That's the first thing to consider. The second thing to consider around this topic is if the Bible is the word of God and every word in the Bible is from God and every description of God and his actions are 100% perfectly representative of him and if the God that is depicted in the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow as the Bible says he is, then we've got a problem. We have a big, big problem. Because what do, you, what do we do with the verses and passages and stories where God is depicted as a monster acting in ways that would land any normal human being in prison for life? Like, what do we do with the story of God commanding the Israelites to commit genocide in Canaan when they invaded the promised land and were told to kill every man, woman, and child who was living there. All people who are minding their own business, living their own lives, not doing anything against the people of Israel. The Bible says that God commanded that genocide, right? Like there's no way around it. There's no way to explain it away. The story unfolds in the books of uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. So you can go read it for yourself. It's there. And since it's the word of God, my tradition would tell me that that means it's true. And not only is it true, but I need to be okay with it. Like, I need to be okay with serving a God who commanded people to kill other people, to enslave survivors. Some scholars would say to rape the women. All because it's written in the Bible, the Word of God. God is sovereign, my tradition taught me. And if the Bible says he did it, then he did it. You don't need to understand it. You're not God. Don't question it. Don't overthink it. Just believe and know that he had his reasons. As Isaiah said, his ways are higher than your ways. Do you see a problem with this? Because if God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that same God commanded Israel to destroy a group of innocent people over a small piece of land somewhere in the Middle East 4,000 or so years ago, well, that means that God can very well command the same today if he wanted to. And that means that just as God commanded Joshua to lead his troops into Canaan to wipe out the entire population, that means that God can command presidents and leaders today to do the very same thing. Because according to that story in Numbers, God is on the side of his people. And land and nationalism are so important to him that he might command one nation to wipe out another nation, all in the name of siding with the nation that he deems to be the chosen one. And since he's God, we can't question it. And we need to trust that it's what he wants us to do for his purposes. So pick up a sword 
and start swinging. Brian McLaren once said that when we have this kind of view of the Bible and we uphold it as this inherent and uh, perfect word of God that demands our allegiance and obedience to every verse and every punctuation mark, he said it allows us to keep the genocide card in our back pocket. It allows us to keep the hate card in our back pocket. It allows us to keep the racist card in our back pocket. Because if God did it then, he is well within his right to do it now. And if God asked me to do it, well, then I have no choice but to do it and never, ever question it. This is the same card that Hitler played all those years ago. And do you see like how dangerous this is? Do you see how dangerous blind faith and allegiance toward a book that is declared to be inerrant and infallible and the word of God can be? Now, now take all of that, okay, take those things and merge it with the fact that the Bible itself never declares itself to be the word of God, but instead reserves that title for Jesus the Christ. And man, I think we come away with a very different picture or idea of what the Bible is and how it's meant to be used. Now, now bear with me. I'm not saying that the Bible is not important. I'm not saying the Bible is not valuable. Okay, hear me loud and clear on that. I love the Bible. I adore the Bible. Uh, I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but I've literally been reading it and studying it since I was 12 years old. That's for the last 25 years. I went to Bible college. I went to seminary. I've pastored churches. Now, I don't know everything. I don't even know close to everything. Um, I am not a theologian. I am not a scholar, nothing like that. My only point is that I love the book and I've given my life to studying it and trying to make some sense of it. And I'm also not saying that the Bible does not contain the words of God or portray how God has worked throughout human history. I think it most certainly does contain his words. And I think it most certainly does show us how God has worked and related to humanity throughout history. The Bible is a, is a holy book uh, that I have given a sense of authority in my life, and I think that everyone would benefit from doing the same. So what I am saying, though, is that I'm saying two things, just to kind of reiterate. One, I don't think Paul's words about all Scripture are referring to the whole Bible as you and I know it today, mainly because the whole Bible wasn't in circulation or written at the time that Paul wrote those words. And two, I don't think that the term God breathed means that the Bible is a static document that's the very word of God and is therefore meant to be taken 100% literally as an instruction manual to help us live a good life and get to heaven when we die. And I think that when we deny those things and instead we choose to declare the Bible as you and I have it today to be the word of God that is perfect and infallible and inerrant, I think from my experience anyway, The next logical step is to take upon ourselves this almost like subconscious permission to weaponize the Bible, uh, arm ourselves with our arsenal of verses, and use them to attack and shame and outcast anyone or anything that lives or operates or thinks in a way that is even slightly different from the way the words of the Bible seem to say that they should live or operate or think. This is the word of God, we say. Right? The things in this book, these are God's commands. You must obey. You must live this way. You must believe this way. It is a literal book. It is clear as day. This verse says that. That verse says this. And so it means you have to live like this. And if you're not, you need to repent. 
we then take the Bible and we make it the primary voice box of God. Which I think downplays his clear ability to speak through things like nature and experience, through people around us, through our own inner soul, and draw people to himself whether they have ever picked up a Bible or not. And this is important, right? Because the Bible, it's not the primary way that God speaks. Yeah, he does speak through it, absolutely. It might not be the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. But it most certainly, I think, contains the words of God. God can use it to speak and to guide and to teach. Yes. But man, it's not the primary way that he speaks. Like if it was, if it is, then how was God speaking during the 13.7 billion years that preceded the writings that we find in the Bible? Reading this new book, which I'm highly obsessed with, Uh, It's by Richard Rohr. It's called The Universal Christ. And there's this uh, section I wanted to read to you really quick. It's a a short paragraph, but I think it really ties in here. He says, he says, God did not just start talking to us with the Bible or the church or the prophets. Do we really think that God had nothing to say at all for 13.7 billion years and started speaking only in the latest nanosecond of geological time? Did all of history, he asked, prior to our sacred text provide no basis for truth or authority? Of course not. The radiance of the divine presence has been glowing and expanding since the beginning of time before there were any human eyes to see or know about it. But in the mid-19th century, grasping for certitude and authority, the church was quickly losing in the face of rationalism and science, Catholics declared the Pope to be infallible, and evangelicals decided the Bible was inerrant despite the fact that we had gotten along for most of 1,800 years without either belief. In fact, these claims, he says, would have seemed idolatrous to most early Christians. Man, I think this is such an important idea for us to wrap our minds around or at least to entertain or talk about, right? God was speaking to creation long before the Hebrew people wrote the Torah, long before the prophets spoke, long before Jesus arrived on the scene, long before preachers started standing in pulpits on Sunday morning, he speaks through the Bible. Yes, but he speaks in other ways as well. And that's what I want to get across here today. I read my Bible every day because I believe that God uses the ancient words and wisdom of those books, of those writings, to communicate and mold and shape my spirit. But man, he speaks in a lot of other ways as well just as he's been doing for the last 13.7 whatever billion years before the Bible arrived on the scene. He speaks through creation. He speaks through, through everything that you see, right? He speaks through humanity. He speaks through animals, children, the ocean, storms, our inner soul, our spirit. He speaks through the wind. He speaks through, through dreams. You see, when we release our grip, on words like inerrancy and infallibility and the word of God in reference to the Bible, we just allow ourselves to see and believe that just as God spoke in a variety of ways before the Bible, so he can speak in a variety of different ways now, man, it opens up our minds to the idea that not only can God speak to me in a variety of different ways, but he is also speaking to my friends my family members, my coworkers, my neighbors, strangers on the street, people who live their lives in the opposite of the way that I live my life, right? Many of these people whom have never picked up a Bible before. He speaks in a variety of different ways to them as well. 
And so rather than try to get them to believe my list of Bible verses, or rather than shoot my arsenal of scripture at them, I can trust and know that just as my creator speaks to me, so my creator is speaking to everyone. The divine has been speaking for 14 billion years. And I don't believe for a second that he's going to limit himself to our relatively new invention of the 5,000-year-old or so Bible or some other ancient book to speak and present himself to the world. It's got to be bigger than that. God has got to be bigger than that. And one last thing I want to say, and that's something maybe a little more personal to my friends, those of you who are listening, who have experienced uh, the Bible as a weapon being wielded against you by angry Christians who are doing their best to defend what they think and what they call the truth. Like maybe you're gay. And so maybe you've been hit with uh, verses that seem to condemn uh, homosexuality. Maybe you're an atheist. So you've been slugged with verses that command people to have more faith. Maybe you're not sure that Jesus rose from the dead. And so maybe you've had verses lobbed at you that seem to threaten unbelievers with hell and judgment and fire. Or, Or maybe you haven't been to church in months or years. You've gotten those phone calls from concerned church people who call you to remind you that uh, the book of Hebrews and the Bible commands people to not give up meeting together. Or maybe you have trouble praying. So you're hit with verses about the importance of prayer and talking to God, or maybe your bank account is empty. And so you've been told all about the verses that tell you to tithe, and you've been told you don't tithe enough. And maybe because of one or all of those things or something entirely different, maybe you've been made to feel like you're just not good enough. Like God is mad at you. You, you got to shape up. You got to make some changes before your life spins out of control. And God, he just stands by because he's going to let the consequences unfold as he watches your life become a mess. Guys, 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 the Bible says none of those things. Yeah, we can find verses. We can find sentences to make a case for each of those, those areas. But when those verses and those sentences and those stories are, are wrapped back up in their context and their culture, and explained in the light of their history, man, the Bible says and means none of those things. The Bible is not an instruction manual filled with commands to help you live a better life and get to heaven when you die. Rather, it's a collection of writings that reflect the messy ways that humans live and walk through life, trying to navigate through their problems and understand what it means to walk with a God who is invisible to the eye but often strangely visible and felt by the soul. If the Bible has one message, it's a simple one. The divine, the creator, loves and adores you. He is with you everywhere that you go. And he will never, ever give up on you. I hope that this episode has challenged you as much as it has challenged me. And I hope it encourages you and inspires you to open up your Bible with fresh eyes and maybe see something there that you've never seen before. Uh, I enjoyed thinking about this stuff. Um, I enjoyed putting together my notes. I have a lot of books, actually, that I'm reading right now about the Bible, which have probably gone into helping shape some of my thoughts here. And uh, I think, I think in the fall... We might do a little bit of a bigger series uh, just about the Bible 
and talk about some of this stuff a little bit more in depth. But until then, uh, this is episode number 46, uh, lie number two, the Bible is the word of God. This is our series, uh, lies we believe about God, and next week we will wrap it up with lie number three before we move on to something bigger and different. So until then, much love to you, my friends, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.